Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Music and Vibes Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Well, I hope you guys are having an amazing week and that you guys are safe and happy and healthy. This week, my girls are on fall break, which is just amazing because I'm just going to be honest that when we started doing virtual school, I had no idea how hard it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, I had some experience like in March from like, I think, April into May where we were doing like online school, but virtual school and the school that we did back then, online school, two separately different things. Like back then, like when they started back in school in like April, it was totally different. All they did was they went on the school platform that they were using, I think it was Google, and they just did things that the teachers posted. There wasn't a lot of interaction, not a lot of help, just like worksheets, assignments, you know, stuff like that. So it was totally different. This kind of reminds me of what it was like to do class online. You know, like University of Phoenix and all of those um, schools that have class online. It kind of reminds me of this. So virtual school is like that. So they have to post on certain things throughout the day. They have to do projects. They actually have times where they do attend class on um, this platform that they have. where you It's almost like Zoom, but not exactly. It's just for schools, and I think the school came for this. Well, of course, the school came for it, but it's where they go. They can see their classmates. You can see everybody. You can talk. My daughter is even doing band virtually. So there's a lot of work that goes into this. So the teachers are actively involved, which I love. They get back to you. It's really an awesome thing. But as a parent, like if my daughter doesn't understand something, I have to help her out. So since I'm not a math whiz, it's like I could do math when I was in school, and now I can do math that, you know, keep my books together and make sure everything is good but as far as all this algebraic stuff that is not my thing so I am finding myself like reading up on it looking it up trying to figure out how to do these things so I can show her how to do it so these past few weeks have been hectic in addition to the fact I have my own work to do so we've got a lot of things to do there's a lot of adjusting to this situation but I'm excited that um We were able to adjust, and we're still adjusting and learning and, you know, just playing it by ear to make sure that they get through this virtual school. So when we found out that this week was fall break, oh my goodness, we were all so excited. They were glad because they felt like they had so much work, and they were overwhelmed, and they were doing so many things. So they were tired of school. And then I was tired, too, because I'm like, not only am I doing my work, but I'm helping you with yours. And it's just a lot of work to be like the principal, the teacher, the lunch lady, all the above, and mom. So it's just a lot of work to do. So I was just super excited to find out it was fall break this week. They were glad, so they're relaxing. We made a pact. So this week they're not going to do anything work-related. So they're not doing any math. The only thing that my daughter is doing is band because she has to practice. Now, they don't have band this week, but she's still practicing her trumpet so she can be good and know what she's supposed to play when she goes back to band. So she's doing that. And, yeah, we pretty much just said, forget school, no schoolwork, don't talk about it, don't think about it, we're done. And so while they're doing that, I told them, you can watch television as much as you want, you can stay up as late as you want, you know, just relax. Because I do think it's important for people to have downtime. 
And considering that they have been so caught up in school and I haven't allowed them to watch TV like I normally do because except for on the weekends, I'm just like, y'all are in school. So it's been like a school environment. I know they've been stressed. This is totally different from the, for them. So that is why I said this week, just have fun, relax, do you, whatever it is. So they've been doing that. They've been taking me up on it. They've been relaxing. Now this morning was funny because they actually went um, on YouTube and they saw the presidential date debates from last week. So they wanted to watch that. But, you know, aside from anything major, they have not been doing any schoolwork or anything. So they've been taking a break. So while they're taking their break, instead of me taking a break, I was like, oh my goodness, this is like the perfect time to cram in all the work that I want to do into one week and get it done. So they have been like sitting in the living room, having a grand old time, having fun, eating cookies and whatever the heck they're going to eat. And I have been sitting in my little office area just working away. And the great thing is they're watching their thing. They're doing their things. So no one's bothering me. No one's talking to me. They have actually been able to binge watch the Parkers. Yeah. The Parkers from like early 2000s. They've been able to binge watch that whole show from season one, episode one, until like season five. So they've been preoccupied with their own thing. And I have been able to work. And it's been so good. Like... My creative juices feel like they're coming back. I don't have to worry about being interrupted in the midst of a thought. It's been amazing. So, yeah, they have been working. They've been having fun. I've been working. But it was great, and I think this is awesome. I'm just loving this fall break. And I know it's Wednesday, but I'm looking forward to the rest of this week to see how much work I can get done. Because next week I'll still have work to do, but I'll just have to, like, include my kids asking me questions about school. Now, the only thing that made my week a little uncomfortable at the beginning of the week is that here in Alabama, the weather is starting to get a little chilly, but not really because today is going to be 80 degrees. But over the weekend, it was a little chilly. And so I was trying not to turn on the heat because everyone complains. I'm the person where if it goes below 74 degrees in my house, oh, the heat comes on. So this summer, they were all complaining, Mom, it's too hot, it's too hot. So... I haven't had the heat on all summer, and they were complaining because I would secretly go and turn down the air conditioning because I was freezing. So, what we did was, right now, the weather's a little chilly, and it's not all week, it's just like on a couple of days, but I've been good. I have not turned on my heat. Yes, I have put on coats, and I've been made fun of by my kids. I put on jackets, and my husband's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm just cold, okay? <laughs> like, it's nothing else to say. I'm just cold. So... I've been doing those things, putting long sleeves, no longer running around with like tank tops and sleeveless shirts. No, I've been wearing long sleeves, but I have managed not to put the heat on, which is awesome. I'm trying to wait until at least gets into like the 60s or really get into fall before I start putting the heat on. So I'm holding off. So yeah, that was the only thing. But right now, everything's great. It's, I think, 78 degrees in my house. It's still hot outside. So, you know, all is well. Now, I must be the only person in the house that apparently gets cold because nobody else seems to complain about this except for me. So, I'm just saying, I'm going to hold out. I'm going to be strong. And I'm going to wait until it really gets cold before I decide to go put on my heat. I'm trying to get better at that because, you know, once you start adding heat, then that's another bill I have to pay. Which the heat heating bill, I will pay whatever it takes if I'm warm. Like, I don't care how much the heating bill is, I will pay it if I'm warm. But, you know, I gotta be considerate of other people in the house who are not cold right now. So I'm trying to hold off until they're cold and then put the heat on. 
We'll see how that works. I might sneak in on some bonus shit, but that's just between us. And since they do not listen to my podcast, they will never, ever know that I plan to secretly turn on the heat when they're asleep. All right. That's a little sidebar. Well, last week, guys, I did another Facebook Live, and I talked about emotional distance. So if you guys have not had a chance to go and check out that video, you can still go back to the Music and Vibes Facebook page, and I think it's the Music and Vibes Podcast. And look up the Music and Vibes Podcast on Facebook, and you'll come to our page. So you can still go back and check that video out. Now, if there is anything that you would like to talk about, during the Facebook Live session that may not be related to the podcast for that week, it's fine. We don't have to like be so scripted where we just talk about things that I didn't discuss in the podcast last week. that week. It's okay. So if there's a topic you want to discuss or talk about or get some feedback on, hey, just go ahead and send me a message. Um, and I promise you, I will go over the message, I respond to you, and I will also spend a Facebook Live session discussing your topic. Because, hey, this is for all of us, okay? And if there's anything you want to talk about, I want you to be included and I want to talk about what you want to talk about. So if there's anything you want to talk about, just go over to the Music and Vibes Facebook page and send me a message. I will go ahead and talk about and discuss your topic during our next Facebook Live session, or at least during one of the sessions. So go ahead and do that. And I will make sure I have the um, information to, or the link at least to go to the Facebook page in the show notes. I'm going to try to remember to do that. So go ahead, write down something you want to talk about, send me a message, let me know, and I can't wait to hear from you. podcast i am going to talk about emotional intelligence and how it can not only impact your emotional well-being but also your marriage now i remember the first time i heard about emotional intelligence was a few years ago and i was listening to eric thomas he's a motivational speaker and he had a podcast and he still has one and i was listening to it and he was discussing emotional intelligence and of course i was intrigued because i'm just like wow there is something out there that can help you be self-aware there's something out there that can help you regulate your emotions and it really intrigued me because I'm an emotional person. Like, I write in an emotional way when I write songs. I interpret things in an emotional way. Even when I talk to people, I have to try to keep my emotions under control if I'm frustrated. And that's why I cannot hide my emotions because it's just me. It's like, whatever I'm feeling, you will know about it. So, of course, emotional intelligence really intrigued me. Because I was like, oh, there's something where that can help me regulate my own emotions so I don't project those things on the other people. So that is why I became intrigued with emotional intelligence. I've done some research. I just love that whole um, way of thinking. I love that mindset. And so I decided that today will probably be a good time for us to talk about it. Now, in the past episode, I mentioned emotional intelligence. And I may have talked a little bit about it, but today I just want to go like into detail about emotional intelligence because I think that with everything going on in the world today, from the pandemic to social injustice, to the unstable political climate that we all are experiencing, we've never experienced anything like that before. Well, I know I haven't. I was, I'm a 70s baby, so you know I've never gone through anything like this before in my life. So this is all new for me. I've never gone through a pandemic, so I have. I don't have experience with that. The social injustice is like in the time I grew up. I mean, I'm sure it was around, but it wasn't like so open. I didn't see it. 
And to be honest, you know, like, think about times where I could have experienced prejudice or racism. I can't really think of a time. But with everything going on and it's like I'm just seeing things I never thought I would see, like, full force, like, in your face, blatant racism. You know, this is something I've never seen before. And then to see the whole political climate and everything that's going on, this is all new for me. So I'm sure there are people like me who were born in the 70s, like early to late 70s, like myself, who have never seen anything like this. So of course, this is shocking to me. I've never had an experience where I've had to literally be in the house for seven months. Granted, I do go out every now and then, but it's not what we're used to. So yeah, and wearing a face mask, all this stuff is new to me. And so even though we may not feel like we're being affected by what's going on, let me just tell you that we are all being affected by what we're currently experiencing. Now, I don't know if you have experienced the death of a loved one because of the coronavirus or if you lost your job because of the coronavirus or you're just feeling a little uneasy and stressed out and full of anxiety because of social injustice or because you don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that all of us are dealing with emotions and feelings that we are not used to experiencing on such a long, drawn-out period of time, or an extended period of time, I should say. Like, all of us have experienced these things, like, in bits and pieces, you know, for a moment or something like that. But to have these things happen and go on over a long period of time can be draining, and it can be emotionally exhausting. And while it's true that not everyone is going through the same thing or even experiencing the same emotions, I think it's safe to say that we're all being affected by what's going on in the world and what's going on around us. Now, if we're being affected by what's going on in the world around us, think about how it is affecting our partners. Think about how it's affecting your kids and people that we come in contact to, contact with. Because we're not the only people who live in the world. It's not about us. Other people are being affected as well. And when you're in an environment where you are living together in a household with other people, they're also having these same emotions, they're experiencing different things. And the crazy thing about it is that even though we all may be in the same situation, we all are going to experience different emotions and see things differently because we are different people and different individuals. So my behavior and how I am dealing and processing with things is going to affect my husband. And how he deals with his situation and process his emotions affects me and how we both deal with and process our emotions affects our kids so that is why emotional intelligence is so important to have especially now because of everything that's going on and i kind of think it's the time that we need to be in tune with ourselves we need to be in tune with our emotions so that we can deal with them in a positive way and deal with them in such a way where we're not affecting other people negatively and so that we can know what's going on with ourselves so today we're going to talk about just the five components that are associated with people who have emotional intelligence and what they are. Now the first one I think is awesome. And that component is self-awareness. Yes, self-awareness. Now I say all the time that in order for you to be in tune with yourself, you have to be aware of what you're going through, your emotions. You have to be able to express how you're feeling. And you can only do, do this by being self-aware. Now self-awareness includes recognizing and understanding your own moods and motivations and their effect on other people. To achieve this state, you must be able to monitor your own emotional state and then identify your own emotions. Now, this is so hard for so many people because how many times have you been feeling a certain kind of way but you couldn't really express how you were feeling? Or you knew you weren't happy, you weren't mad, but you didn't exactly know what you were feeling or why or what made you feel this way. So being self-aware means that you spend time with yourself. You actually do the work. 
And so many times I think we just don't do the work. We may feel a certain kind of way. We may be upset about something. But instead of taking time to sit down and process what's going on with us, we will react instead. And when you react and you have not taken time to process your emotions, it does nothing. You achieve nothing. You destroy relationships. You make people upset. You hurt people's feelings because you are not self-aware about what you are going through. So when you are self-aware, you are able to recognize and understand your mood. You understand what made you feel this way and what you can do to not feel this way. You understand how your attitude and how your moods and how your emotions have an effect on other people but in order to achieve this state you must be able to monitor your own emotional state and identify your own emotions and in order to identify your own emotions you need to spend some time with yourself so that you can become self-aware if you don't spend time with yourself and focus on why you're feeling a certain way and actually trying to process what you're dealing with then it's going to be impossible for you to achieve self-awareness because you don't learn about people that you don't spend time with like, if I never spent time with my husband, I wouldn't really get a chance to know him. If I never spent time with my kids, I wouldn't know what they like, what their favorite colors were, their favorite food, what they wanted to do when they grow up. I wouldn't know any of these things. And the same thing is true for yourself. If you don't spend time with yourself, like really spend time with yourself, no phone, no TV, just that morning time where you get up maybe a little bit early so you can think, you can meditate, you can focus on what's going on with you then you're not going to be able to become self-aware because you have not spent the time with yourself. Now, when you have spent the time with yourself and you are at a point where you are emotionally mature in this trait, you will see confidence. There will be a sense of humor where you don't take yourself so seriously all the time. You can laugh at yourself. It's okay to laugh at yourself. And you will also be aware of your impression on other people. So you'll be able to read the reactions of other people and to know how you are being perceived which is key to any relationship that you are in, whether it is your marriage, whether it's professional, whatever it is, your awareness of your impression on others is key to whatever it is that you are trying to do in life. So that is why being self-aware is so important at this point and is why it's a major component of emotional intelligence. Another important component of, being, of emotional intelligence is being able to self-regulate your emotions now being able to regulate your emotions is key because you have to be able to control your impulses so instead of being quick to react in a rash or harsh way you can be able to rein in your emotions and think before responding now i love this because so many times we don't do this somebody does something they make us mad we just go off on the handle and we tell people what we're thinking and we react however we feel but that is not the way to be it's important for us to self-regulate just because you want to say something don't mean you should and just because you may want to do something doesn't mean you should so you have to be able to control your impulses and stop being so reactive and stop being so impulsive and control your impulsiveness and think now when you think before you act or react it helps out a lot now i know for myself when i just react is never good even if it's a good thing if i just react to a good thing is not good. So you know if I just react to a bad thing, it's not good. So what I have found myself doing is I take some time. So instead of reacting immediately, I give myself maybe a half an hour or an hour. And I sit down and I just think, okay, Kiana, what can you say? What should you do? What is the best way to deal with the situation? And then once I am able to 
calm down, rein in my emotions, I can usually come up with a great way to resolve an issue, a problem, or a situation instead of just going off of my impulses. Because your impulses are not your friend. Let's just be real. They will get you into so much trouble. So being able to rein in those uncontrollable impulses and being able to control them is very important. Now, once you are able to do this, you'll be more conscientious and you'll take personal responsibility for your own work, deed, or actions, which is important because you'll take responsibility for your actions, whether your actions were good or whether they were bad. It means being able to own up to your wrong and being able to own up to your mess when you do it because you're taking responsibility for your actions. You are easily able to adapt to change. And when someone is complaining or being rude to you, you do not have to respond in kind. And you can only get to this point when you are able to self-regulate your emotions. Just because someone is arguing with you don't mean you have to join in because it is impossible to argue by yourself. I mean, if no one's arguing with you, it's just you talking. It's just like you shouting or talking by yourself. But if there's no one to participate in the argument, then there can't be an argument. It can just be someone yelling or whatever. But then you can always walk away from the situation and not even deal with it. This allows you to be able to de-escalate situations. And especially now, like, I know there are a lot of marriages that are just falling apart. And we talked about it last week. But there are so many marriages falling apart. Even marriages that are good may be having some issues right now because we are, like, literally on top of each other all the time. Before, we had ways to be away, do different things. But now when we're all together all the time, throw kids into the mix, it can get stressful. But if you are able to self-regulate and you're able to control your impulses and not react in a rash or harsh way, then you can adapt to what is going on when... Your kids may be getting on your nerves. You don't have to respond to them in that way. If your husband or wife is getting on your nerves, you don't have to respond in that manner. And it helps you de-escalate situations. So conversations that would normally be end up in an argument no longer have to end up in an argument because you're able to control the mood, de-escalate the situation, and you can actually have a regular conversation. And if you see that this conversation is getting out of hand, instead of trying to drive your point home or make them see your point of view, you can take a step back and then maybe discuss it another day when it's not so stressful or leave it alone, come back at it another time. So it helps you to regulate you because you can't control anybody else. You cannot control your spouse. You cannot control your kids, but you can control yourself. So if you are working on you and you're self-regulating and you're self-aware, then you can make a huge, huge difference and a huge impact in your home, on your professional um, life, on your job, and in your marriage. Internal motivation is also another component that we're going to discuss. And this is just marked by an interest in learning. It's about self-improvement versus a pursuit of wealth. Now, when you are able to look for self-improvement, you're going to do what you need to do to work on yourself. So instead of looking for how you can quickly get richer. And when I say rich, it doesn't even have to be money. It could be something like, how could I quickly achieve something? Because so many times, even in relationships, we just want to get what we want quickly. So if we want our relationship to be better, all we think about is, how can I make it better? But we don't think about the time and the effort that we're going to have to put in to make it better. We don't think about self-improvement. We just want a magic wand where we can say, poof, relationship better, and it happens. But that's not how it works. In everything that you do in life, whether it is your relationship, whether it is your 
finances, whether it's that job that you want, you have to be able to put the work in. So you have to have some type of internal motivation. And that internal motivation is not enough. Because I know a lot of people who are motivated to do things, but they don't get it done. And you're just like, I don't understand. How can motivated people not get things done? And it's easy. They're not interested in taking the steps that they need to take to make something happen. So if I wanted to open, let's say, a bakery, and I really had an interest to do this, but I didn't have a desire to read the books about how to open a bakery or learn new recipes or learn from other people who've gone before me by who open bakeries. If I'm not interested in learning and making myself better and increasing my knowledge and building credit about what I'm learning, then it's not going to help at all. Or if you're in a relationship and you want it to be better, but you're not interested in reading books about relationships and you're not interested in working on yourself and going to counseling or doing whatever, it's not going to help. It's not going to happen. So being motivated is not enough. Having internal motivation is not enough. You have to have that internal motivation, but it has to be marked and working together with an interest in learning. Then you can have that self-improvement and you can reach your goals and do whatever it is you need to do because you are not just motivated, but you're willing to put the work in and you're willing to put forth the effort. And once you do that, you will be able to have initiative and the commitment that you need to complete a task. You'll be able to persevere in the face of adversity. And this is similar to grit, what I talked about on the previous um, show. So all of these things are important to have when it comes to emotional intelligence. You also have to be empathetic. Now, this is just the ability to understand another person's emotional reactions. This is only possible when you have achieved self-awareness because one cannot understand others until they understand themselves. Like I tell people all the time, I can't help you if I'm a broken person and I can't be there for you if I'm not there for me. So that is why it's important to be empathetic and be able to understand yourself because if you don't understand yourself and if you're not empathetic toward yourself, and caring and compassionate toward you, then it's unfair for me to ask you to be caring, compassionate, or empathetic towards somebody else because you're not even that to yourself. So this is why empathy is important, and this is why self-awareness is important. And now, can you see why self-awareness is like the first component? Because you have to be self-aware to carry out all of these other things. Because if you're not self-aware, then you can't self-regulate, and you can't have any type of internal motivation where you are willing to learn and complete things and you can't have empathy because you don't even know yourself. So self-awareness is key. Know yourself and then can you self-regulate? Know yourself, then can you have internal motivation? Know yourself, then you can have empathy so that you can be able to understand other people because you now understand yourself. And I think it's important to point out that empathy is the perception of other people's emotions and taking an active interest in their concerns. It's about being proactive and being able to anticipate someone's needs and appropriate reactions. It's about being able to handle social situations and being able to connect with people and actually be interested in them. Now, I know there are times when I've been places, people are telling me things, but my mind was like going a million miles a minute and I was not even paying attention for real. And so when it was a time for concern or they brought up something that I should have been empathetic towards, it was hard for me to do that because I was somewhere else. I wasn't paying attention. So empathy helps you be in, be, um, in contact with yourself so that you can extend 
that same empathy you have to put yourself to other people. So empathy is really important and it's worked especially now with families and it works so well when it comes to relationships because we know these people. So it should be easy for us to anticipate their behaviors, how they're going to act and be empathetic towards them because these are people that we know. So if empathy is something that we can use in our professional lives, imagine what it can do in your personal lives and in your home and in your relationships. Now, social skills is something else that you have to have when it comes to emotional intelligence. You can't be emotionally intelligent if you do not have social skills. Now, social skills include things like communication, influence and leadership, and conflict management. This is very important because having social skills allows you to identify social cues to establish common ground and manage relationships and build networks. And if you cannot manage relationships and build networks and have a common ground, this is going to be hard for you in every aspect of your life. So social skills is not just important to have in a professional setting or with your friends, but it is imperative that you have social skills at home. Think about it. You have to communicate with your spouse. You have to communicate with your kids. You have to listen and respond appropriately to them because these are the people who know you the most. And so you have to be able to communicate with them. You have to be able to influence your children because let me just tell you, I think the way that um, our parents did it when we were younger was probably not the best way to do it because instead of like trying to influence us and have leadership where they were able to guide and inspire us, it was mostly like, if you don't do this, you're going to get a spanking. If you don't do this, something's going to happen. So it was more of a cause and effect kind of thing. You do this, this is the effect. You're going to get in trouble. So it was a lot of punishment. And I think that with kids in this day and age, punishment is not the way to go. Let me just tell you. I remember when I was first, when I first became a mom and my kids were really young, I would do the whole timeout thing. And my kids would literally do something wrong that they wanted to do. And then they would put themselves in timeout. And they'd be like, Mom, no need to even say anything. I'm in timeout. So then I'm just looking like, oh, wow, they just took my influence away because they put themselves in timeout. So for my kids, I realized timeout did not work. And if you have kids who are born in like early 2000s or between 2005, 2006, I don't know. A lot of parents who I talk to, we all have the same issue. You can probably agree with me that this whole discipline thing doesn't work for them. So since it doesn't work, it forces us as parents to be able to influence them and to guide them. And I think this is important because I have learned the most from people who have influenced me. The people who have been able to really like form my mindset and have a stake in what I think and what I believe. These are people who are able to influence me, people who are able to guide and inspire me rather than people who are able to like punish me. See, punishment doesn't always work. So that's why it's important as parents to have the ability to guide and inspire our kids and others. And it's important to be able to guide and inspire your spouse. Now, this is a good thing. I know people don't talk about it, but you have to let your spouse influence you at some point in your relationship. Because if they don't influence you and you are just so bent on doing things your way and no one can influence you for good and no one can influence you in any way. Because, I mean, you have to know if someone's trying to influence you for bad. And no, I would never agree to go along with that. But there are ways you can be influenced that are good. And there are ways to do things, different ways to do things than what the way you do them now, which is fine. You don't always have to do things the same way. So letting your spouse be able to 
guide and inspire you is good. And for you to be able to guide and inspire your spouse is amazing. So that is why social skills doesn't just mean communi- it doesn't just mean you have to communicate. It also includes influence and leadership. And it also includes conflict management. Now, if you are a parent, you know you have to be skilled in conflict management because kids fuss, they fight, they get you all involved in their stuff. Mom, do this, so-and-so did this, and you know you're all caught up in the situation. But if you are able to diffuse these difficult situations and use persuasive and persuasion and negotiation, then it helps your kids learn to not only diffuse difficult situations between themselves and handle their own problems, but it gives them a role model or a map of what they need to do in the future to diffuse situations. If you and your spouse are able to diffuse the situation, if you notice the situation is getting out of hand, and instead of arguing about it and going full force and you're able to diffuse that situation, it will do so much for your marriage because you guys are able to talk and you're able to communicate and you're able to influence and lead each other and you will be able to have a marriage that you've always dreamed about if you were able to get along, have conflict management, and just have good social skills with your spouse. We focus so much on having social skills with everyone else, but we don't think about having it with our family members, which is crazy because these are the people we live with all the time. We know these people, but we're so focused on putting our best foot forward out into society, out into the world, but we're not used to putting our best foot forward at home. And so I think one, if we had to say there was like a positive to this whole quarantine thing, I would say that it's forcing us to sit down with the people that we should be close to, work with them, get along with them, and find out things about them. So this is why it is so important to have all of these components that I listed in emotional intelligence. Now, all of these traits that I have mentioned are extremely important. And when it comes to dealing with your own emotions, but it's also important to have these traits when it comes to having a successful marriage. These are traits that can enhance relationships and foster an environment that's trusting. It can foster an environment for growth. Now, all of these things are necessary and they're absolutely must-have if you want to have a healthy and thriving relationship. There's no way you can take out emotional intelligence and all the components that I said and expect to have a healthy relationship. It's not going to happen. So you have to have all of these components to have a healthy and thriving relationship. Now, the thing that I love the most about emotional intelligence is that these are traits that can be learned and acquired. They're not something you have to be born with. It's not something that you have to know how to do. So if you are like me and you are just a little emotionally intelligently challenged, as I like to say, no worries. These are traits you can learn. It just takes a little time and effort and commitment. But with some practice, all of these traits can be learned and it can be attained. So if you are wondering what you can do to acquire these traits, here are just some things that you can do to develop these traits of emotional intelligence. First, you can learn how to label your emotions. Now, people really like to talk about their feelings. Like, I know I don't. I am the person who will not talk about feelings because I don't really like to do it. I like to, like, floss over my feelings and just move on to the next thing. Now... I will, and I have come to learn how to deal with my feelings and be able to talk about them and deal with them on my own, but I'm, I'm just not one of those people who like to talk about feelings. But despite the fact that our emotions affect every decision that we make, so it's important that we do talk about feelings, but many people are like me, and they're more comfortable saying things like, I have butterflies in my stomach, or I have a lump in my throat. 
But what you really want to say is, I'm, I have anxiety right now. I become really stressed out. Or I feel like crying. This is what you really want to say. But we'll just like try to minimize our emotions so that either it makes us feel more comfortable or we don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. But what we have to do is start practicing labeling our emotions with real feeling words. So for example, instead of saying stuff like, I'm not mad, I'm just a little frustrated. When you know good and well you're upset, you can say something like, I'm really feeling upset right now. Or if you're anxious, like I mentioned earlier, instead of saying I have butterflies in my stomach, say I'm really anxious right now. Or I'm disappointed right now. Or I don't know what to do right now. But you have to be able to label your emotions because if you don't label them, then how do you know what you're feeling? If you don't label them, how do you know you need to pay attention to how you're feeling? So what you need to do and what I would recommend is that throughout the day, check in on yourself. So if you're busy working or whatever and somebody interrupts you and you're just like, oh, it makes you feel a certain kind of way. Instead of just saying, I don't know how I'm feeling. This makes me feel a certain kind of way. Just say, oh, it makes me feel frustrated because I'm trying to work on this. Label these feelings and pay attention to how you're feeling. And check in with yourself throughout the day so that you will know how you're feeling. Because sometimes we may feel a certain way and our moods change throughout the day. But if we don't take time to check in on ourselves and label these emotions and talk about how we're feeling or even write it down. If you're not a talker and don't want to talk about your feelings, okay, that's cool. Write it down in the journal. But at some point throughout the day, you need to check in with yourself. And I would say do it not just once, but a few times a day just because our emotions change throughout the day. And if you don't want to talk about them, at least in a journal, just label your emotions. So you could do something like, I don't know, I'm going to use today as an example. October 7th, um, 9 o'clock, feeling stressed. And then later at 12, you can say 12 o'clock feeling happy, you know, and you can label, if you want to go further to do some more work on yourself, you can explain why you may be feeling stressed or why you're feeling anxious. What made you feel this way? Because once you understand what made you feel this way, what situation made you have these emotions, then you can easily become self-aware and be able to self-regulate how you're feeling, why you're feeling this way. So label your emotions. Don't just minimize or gloss over them. Consider how your emotions affect your judgment. Now, I mentioned earlier how when I used to get angry or upset, I would just fly off the handle, say whatever I'm thinking. And most of the time it was not nice. It was always something mean because I'm just so upset. I didn't want to be bothered by the people who upset me. So I would just say something mean so that they leave me alone. That was not good judgment. Or just saying the first thing that came to my head. Terrible judgment. So you have to consider how your emotions affect your judgment. So... Once you're able to label your emotions and know how you're feeling, you need to take time to consider how these emotions are affecting your thoughts and behaviors. If you're sad, it may cause you to be afraid of rejection and you may underestimate your chances of success. On the other hand, if you're overly excited about an opportunity, you may overestimate your chances. This can lead to taking risks without examining the potential consequences or drawbacks. So you see how our emotions can dictate how we react. In order for us to make better decisions, we need to recognize how our emotions are affecting our judgment. And in doing so, you'll be able to balance the outlook of your logic and emotions and then be better equipped to make real decisions. So I like to say take some time back, good or bad. If you're in a, your emotions are good, still take some time back so you can think about this and be able to come up with a rational and logical 
uh, response to what you're feeling. Or if it's bad, same thing. Take some time back so you can think, come up with a logical and a rational response to that emotion. I watch tons of crime TV, and you would be surprised to find out um, how many people kill people in a fit of anger or a fit of rage. And imagine, if they had just taken that time back, they could have just said, you know what, I'm mad, I'm angry. But if they had taken that time back, that other person would probably still be alive because they wouldn't have been impulsive and gone off the deep end. They would have taken some time back, they would have thought about this, and come up with a rational and logical plan of action instead of that impulsive decision to just go off and murder somebody. So I know you're probably not in a situation that's that extreme, but you know, I'm just saying that it's impossible, it's possible to regulate your emotions and to make better decisions and if this is the best way to do it instead of just reacting off of your impulses. Okay, so another thing you can start doing is decide whether your feelings are a friend or an enemy. Now this is funny because you don't think about your feelings being a friend or a foe, but it's true. Like sometimes the way you are feeling will affect your experiences. Now every emotion we experience has the power to either be helpful or unhelpful at times. The same emotion can affect us in either a positive or a negative way, just depending on how we use it. So, the thing for you to do is to determine what you are feeling at any moment to consider whether that emotion is being a friend to you or an enemy. Now, anger can be a friend when it helps you stand up for injustice. It can also be an enemy, however, when you're entered a discussion with your boss. Sadness can be helpful when it reminds you to honor a person you no longer have, but it can be an enemy when it gets in the way of your motivation in life. If you realize that sadness is working as an enemy, you have to do what you can do to regulate that emotion. Now try to experiment with different coping strategies to help you do this. Maybe meditation, prayer can also work. See what works for you and for a few minutes can help calm you down so that afterwards you'll be able to regulate that emotion and then make rational decisions. So decide whether your emotions are good for you or bad for you, friend or foe. And then once you decide that, calm down, think about what to do. This can help you become emotionally intelligent because it limits and it kind of eliminates and it takes away the whole reactive situation. Be responsible for your own actions. Now I know so many people who do things and they will not take responsibility one for, they won't take responsibility for anything that they ever do. And that is so annoying. But how can you take responsibility for your actions if you're not owning them? And in order to be able to own your actions, you have to have some type of emotional intelligence. Now saying that your coworker makes you feel bad about yourself or blaming your boss for putting you in a bad mood, it implies that you're letting other people control your emotions and that your ability to respond to your emotions involves you accepting full responsibility for them. So if you are in the habit of saying, oh, so-and-so made me feel this way or they made me do this, stop it right now. Today, right now, October 7th, while you're listening, I don't know what time it is, but look at the time and stop it right now because you and you alone are responsible for your own emotions. So if you're feeling sad or bad about yourself, own it. Not that someone else made you feel this way. They may have done something, but what actually triggered you feeling this way? Once you can figure out what was the trigger that made you feel this way about yourself and you own that feeling instead of blaming somebody else for putting you in a bad mood, then you are taking control of your emotions. Because the last thing you want is to let somebody else 
have the ability to control your emotions. So when you're able to own your emotions and respond to your own emotions, you are accepting responsibility for them. Only you can choose how you decide to respond to your circumstances and to other people. Now, people are always going to do things, but you have the choice to choose how you're going to respond to what they did. Remember this, anytime you're t you are tempted to think someone else is dragging you down emotionally. So rather than think things like, he's making me mad, try something like this. Say, I don't like what he's doing right now, and I'm getting mad. See how that changes things? Because you are accepting, I don't like what's happening right now, and I'm getting mad. Not like, oh, he's making me mad. Because when he makes you mad or she makes you mad, they're controlling you. But if you take responsibility and be like, I don't like what they're doing right now, and I'm getting mad, you're accepting your own emotions, and you're owning them in a positive way that gives you the power to do something differently and not have to be dependent on other people to change their way of doing things or their reactions before you are happy. You see what I'm saying? So instead of you waiting on somebody else to make things better for you, you're accepting your emotions, you're owning them, and you're making things better for yourself because you can do that because you are in charge of your own emotions. Now it's important when we're trying to become more emotionally intelligent to notice the, how other people are feeling. So when you understand how other people are feeling, it will definitely raise your emotional intelligence because focusing on this will prevent you from interrupting someone you, you disagree with or jumping into an argument. You will pay close attention to other people's emotional state. So if you can recognize how someone is feeling, then you will better understand how that emotion is likely to influence that person's perception and their behavior. Now here's something that's important. You wouldn't have thought about this, and I didn't think about it either, but limit your screen time. Yes, limit your screen time. So that means if you spend tons of time watching television or tons of time on the internet or on your cell phone, limit that time. Setting healthy limits on your technology is a good idea. Don't have your phone out when you're talking face-to-face -face with a person. Because, you know, when you do that, you're so tempted to look down and see what you missed or play around. Give them your full undivided attention. Set aside periods during the day when you won't use your phone. Maybe it's the first hour you wake up. Maybe it's at lunchtime or before bed. I don't know. But set aside time periods during the day when you won't use your phone. Doing a digital detox every now and then can really help you and do some good. Now, a few days without your electronics will better equip you and your ability to read other people's emotions. And you know why? Because you're spending time with people. I notice that sometimes for myself, I'll be watching television with my kids and I'll be on my phone. And they'll be like, Mom, you're not watching TV with us. I'm like, I am. They're like, your phone's in your hand. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they're right. Because even though I am there physically, I'm not there because my mind, my attention is on something else and it's not on enjoying the moment with them or enjoying this activity with them. So that is why limiting your screen time can help you improve your emotional intelligence because you are being, not forced, but you are being encouraged to spend quality time with people because just being there in the house with them does not mean you are getting any good quality time. So put your phone down, get some quality time in with the people you love, and this will definitely help you when it comes to your emotional intelligence. Now, it's important to reflect on your progress because if you never look at your progress, how are you going to know where, how you're moving forward or how you're doing better? So at the end of each day, reflect on your progress 
Did you interact well with your spouse or partner when he or she was frustrated? Acknowledge this of yourself. If you did, great, you're making progress. If you didn't, okay, you can still have some work to do, but you're still moving forward. So it's important at the end of every day to reflect on your progress. But also notice the areas that you need to improve. And this is key. It is not saying that you are a failure if you notice something in yourself that you need to improve. Don't get defensive about feedback. Just take it and then begin to work or improve on what you're hearing. All criticism is not bad, especially constructive criticism. And if you cannot be able to give yourself constructive criticism like Kiana, you did good in this thing, but on this you need a little bit of work or I noticed you weren't really listening or whatever, then you're not going to be able to move forward. So it's very important for you to notice the areas that you need to improve as well as the areas you're making improvements in. If you get defensive about tough feedback, you need to work on that because you have to be able to recognize the places where you can get better. Be careful and learn from these mistakes and make sure to do better in the future. All of these things will help you just to be a better person, become self-aware, and enhance the quality of your marriage. Enhance the relationship you have with your kids. Enhance the relationships that you have with people outside of your home. So emotional intelligence is awesome and it's key. What I plan to do, um, if you're like me, because I haven't always been the most emotionally intelligent person around, and even though I'm working on it, I'm not 100% there yet. So what we're going to do on our Facebook Live this week is we're going to get an easy test to see where you are as far as your emotional intelligence is concerned. We're going to go through it. And then you will have an idea of some things you need to work on and some things you are good at, but you may need to improve upon. So that's what we're going to do this week for the Facebook Live. And so join me Thursday at 10 o'clock Central Standard Time, and we'll go through this. Now, the song that we're going to listen to today is called The Same Old Thing. And it's about a couple who is struggling, like, I mean, seriously struggling to develop emotional intelligence in a relationship. So here's the song, The Same Old Thing. Somebody please tell me why we keep on fighting. There's never a resolution to
before I end the podcast, I would like to thank our partner, BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, for working with the Music and Vibes podcast to ensure that you, the listeners, have the resources to get the counseling that you may need if you are in need of counseling. Now, BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, counsels, they do individual counseling, and they also do marriage counseling and relationship counseling and couples counseling, which is one of the reasons why I love working with this company because this is a relationship podcast, and we're always talking about ways to better our relationships. And in order to do this, sometimes you do need counseling. And the fact that BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, is able to help you with marriage and relationship counseling, I think that is a plus. Now, if there is something interfering with your happiness or that's preventing you from achieving your goals, then BetterHelp is the place to go. Now, I know I personally, I love counselors. Like, I love therapists. I love counseling because I am a psych major and I have a master's in um, counseling psychology. So I'm all into the counseling thing. I know that counseling can help you become a better person. It's not always, oh, I'm going to see a counselor because I have so many problems or people, I think people when it comes to counseling have made it seem like if you see a counselor, then there's something wrong with you. No, there's not. People who get counseling are people who want to improve. They want to make things better and they understand that they cannot make things better on their own because they may not have the tools to make this happen. So counseling gives you the tools that you need. So if your marriage is in a crisis, you need a counselor so they can give you the tools that you need to be successful in your marriage. If your life is in a crisis or if you are dealing with something that you're not equipped to handle, then going to a counselor would be amazing so that you can get the tools that you need to get through a situation and to thrive in your personal life. So if this is you, then BetterHelp will assist your needs and they will match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communication in under 48 hours. Now, let me say, it's not a crisis line. This is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. So this is a plus that you can get this because they service clients worldwide. So if there is something that you need help with that may not be available in your area as far as expertise is concerned, they can help you. And the great thing is that this service is available for clients worldwide. All you have to do is log into your account anytime, send a message to your counselor, and you will get timely and buffer responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't even have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. And you know, with the coronavirus going on and a lot of us being quarantined and also learning how to work remotely and doing things from home, this is perfect because you can get the help and the counseling you need and you don't even have to leave your house. So this is amazing. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they're going to make it easy and affordable and free for you to change counselors if you need to. Now, this counseling is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. And I just want to talk about this for a minute because I have done traditional counseling, believe me. And as good as it was, I did pay quite a bit of money for this. The rates that they have here are really good rates. And it's like, you it's something I feel that most people can afford. So if your excuse for not getting counseling is like, I can't afford it, well, stop. You have no excuse. Better help is something that you can definitely afford. And the awesome thing about it is that they offer financial aid, which is available to help you if you 
can't afford it, you will have financial aid available. They're just interested in making sure that you get the help that you need. And that is what this whole podcast and this community is about. Keeping your relationships together, making sure we are good, not just as couples, but good individually and that we're the best version of ourselves that we can be. And BetterHelp is so dedicated to helping us be the better people or the better part of ourselves that we can be that they not only offer traditional offline counseling, but they also have financial aid, which is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life. Not tomorrow, or but today. So, visit their website. And you can see all of their testimonials posted there. There are great things that they have done to help people. And I know that they're going to be able to help you. So here's what we're going to do. BetterHelp has given all of the Music and Buy podcast listeners a special link that we, you guys can click on. And you will get 10% off your first month of counseling. Just type in the promo code, which is Music and Vibes, and you will get 10% off of your first month of counseling. Now what I'm going to do is put the link in the show notes along with the promo code and you can just go click the link in the show notes and then put in the promo code and you'll get 10 month, 10% off your first month of counseling. Alright, well I just want you guys to take advantage of this because this is awesome and I feel that the Music and Vibes podcast is very lucky to have this partnership. Now, I also want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast weekly. You are amazing, and I appreciate the support and the way you listen every single ep- every week to every episode. If it wasn't for you, there would be no music and vibes. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I also want to encourage you to share and subscribe. Now, I would sing a song about it, but I'm not going to do that. But please share the podcast. I know other people need to find out some of the things that they should and should not be doing in their relationship. So, if you could just do me a favor and share this episode of the podcast with two of your friends or family members, then you would be helping me out a lot. In addition to sharing, if you have not already subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so that you will be aware of all the new episodes that come out. I want to start throwing in some special things But I can't do this if you do not subscribe because then you'll miss all the special things I want to give you. So, share and subscribe. What did I say to do? Yes, share and subscribe. Now, if there's anything that you guys want to talk to me about later, or if you hear something on the podcast and you're just like, oh, I wish I could ask her more about it, well, you can ask me about it. You know how? You can reach me on Facebook. You can go to the Music and Vibes Facebook page. And you can contact me there. You can contact me on Instagram, on our website. There are many ways to reach me. So I'm going to have in the show notes all of the ways that you can reach me so that you will be able to get in contact with me so that you can ask me any questions that you may need to ask. And finally, before I end the podcast, I just want to say I hope you guys have an amazing day. Hope you have a great week. If you need to contact me, like I said, just go to the, um, the Music and Vibes Facebook page. You can contact me there. Go to Instagram. You can find me there. And I'm also, well, I am on Twitter. I don't do Twitter a lot, so I'm just not going to say Twitter. <laughs> but you can go to Facebook, Instagram, and then just go to our webpage. And they have like a contact button. You push on that and you can contact me. All right. Well, I think that's all for now. 
and I hope you guys have an amazing day. Have a wonderful weekend. Make sure you do something fun and special, and I'll talk to you guys next week. All right, bye-bye. Sometimes you gotta walk away